Oh, yeah. Now I meant to. Now, yeah. Oh, yeah! We're back, bitches. <laughs> Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And, and who are you? Yeah, I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, and I'm Ira. <laughs> oh, you're Ira. Yeah, yeah. Robert? Oh, this is Anti-Wave. It is? It is. It is. A podcast all about the movies that tell you what you don't want to hear. Oh, that's really good, Robert, because the movie we're discussing this week is... Tell Me Who I Am. Yes, that is the right title. That's, yeah, just ask you who you I know, are. I know. Oh, who? Are, oh, you actually tied. You made like a double. That was really clever. Yeah. No, that was. Re- you had another. Was that spontaneous? Did you plan that? Did you? Uh, I did plan you, everything. You, I know you don't know. Come on, I even plan out your responses. Wow, that's scary. You know what I'm going to say? I, I knew you're going to say do that. You know, but do you know what I'm going to say now? Yeah, I already planned it. Wow. <laughs> what if? Okay, never mind. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know I was going to do that? Yeah. I know you're going to drop well, your papers a... in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and our top five. Our top five this week is what? Is um, is uh, awkward conversations like we're having right now. Exactly. Yeah. That's really an interesting one, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. Awkward conversations. We are pros <laughs> at having awkward conversations. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like we're having right now. We always have these awkward conversations. Ira, I haven't seen you in so long. I missed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. been, we, we talked before the show started. It's been about a month. It has, because we doubled up, and that's why we have missed, yes. Yeah. We, we've been away from our- It was a great month. Been away, it was the best month of your life? Is that what you're- That's what I said, yeah. The best, didn't you miss your good buddy? Didn't you miss your podcast? Oh, I saw my friends. Your podcast compatriot? Didn't you miss your 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 partner, good old buddy? Didn't you miss? No, no not, not at all. Well, I, I missed you terribly. I would think about you. I'd have... Well, this is awkward. <laughs> Another ah, awkward card. It's even... good you went back to that. Yeah, See, I wrote good. that all out. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. good timing. Good, God, good you beats. Are good. Yeah. I still don't know if you're being spontaneous or if that's all orchestrated. Yeah, didn't you get the script? script? I, I even planned this the, uh, this fire the, truck the in the background. How did you all that? Yeah. Wow, it's good to be back in the saddle again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do we, and, do we go right into well, things, th- or do we I, just... I think this is where you have to take me into the segue about listener mail. Oh, okay. You see, then we can talk about... Because we have a lot of listener mail, because it's covering two, count them, two podcasts. Well, let's begin with um, our top five last week, last episode, I should say. Actually, was... two episodes ago. Not okay, the, yes. is that what we're going for? Yeah, yeah, we should do that one first. Right. Do you agree? Because we have to go in a chronological order, and that was caretaker movies. Okay, caretaker movies. So we got a lot of good feedback. Someone wrote, although I agree with Robert that misery qualifies. You had a fan on that one, yeah. even though I scoffed at that. Uh, I have my own list. You already mentioned whatever happened to Baby Jane. She's including Pet Cemetery, a movie called Would You Rather. I never heard of the taking of Deborah Logan. Does that mean anything to you? No. She, she, this is a, a faithful listener who mentions these esoteric, often foreign films, Insidious, Away From Her, and she said, my French movie favorite, Amour. I'm not familiar with that, but she said that's definitely a caretaker film. Amour? Amour. And Amour. it's French? Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Someone wrote, great podcast this week. One of my favorites, and I'm excited for Nobody, which we're doing the following week, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, Robert mentioned three movies that would have been on my list. And this guy, he went on to say, Batman. And if you think about it, with, uh, with Alfred, 
the butler. Yeah. There is a caretaker. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And then he said, Happy Gilmore, but he wrote, Ben Stiller deserves an Oscar for his role as the grandmother's caretaker. Yeah. And I said, wait, Ben Stiller? Don't you mean Adam Sandler? No. And he said, no, no, no. And this listener corrected me, and he mentioned that the, was, he reprieved his role in a 2020 Hoobies Halloween. Do you know what that is? Yeah. I, I didn't see it, but I know yeah. it. That was the new one that came out at... Um, Around Halloween, it was yeah. a Netflix yeah. movie. So you know, he's, he's doing all these Netflix movies. Now. I love it. Uh, he also mentioned other movies for Caretaker, including... Do you Taxi remember Driver? that from Happy Gilmore? I never saw so Happy Gilmore. Oh, you never saw Happy Gilmore? I don't like movies. Oh. I actually think you would appreciate Happy Gilmore. It's one of the better Adam Sandler movies. Is that with golfing? Or mm-hmm. no, with Bob Barker? Yep. Bob Barker is in there. Yeah. And he gets in a wrestling match they on fight. the green. They, they, they have fight. a fight, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I know from the film. That's that scene is great, yeah. yeah that's but Ben scene. Stiller is awesome in that movie. He plays this, uh, like he kind of sucks up to everybody, you know, like when they drop off their, um, their old folks. And then as soon as they leave, he like starts making them do all this like sweatshop work and everything. It's <laughs> a pretty funny character. For character movies, he also mentioned Taxi Driver. Uh, oh, well, yeah. Taking care yeah. of her, of course. Yeah. Uh, the movie Wizard, he suggested also. Yeah. Which I'm not familiar that with. That was the video game one where it's called The Wizard. Oh. Mm-hmm. Where the boy is trying to go play the, uh, the... The boy has like some, not Asperger's, but like uh, autism. He's definitely on the spectrum. He's a, a genius at playing video games. And they're trying to get him to the, the world championships. Caretaker. Over. Yeah. 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 He mentioned y'all had some good ones, but the, here are my about the boy five. who could fly? I actually like that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what he said? He went on. He wrote another email. I'm going to, you're going to love this. Psycho. That's good. And you know what, Robert? I wish I had, that's, that's the ultimate compliment. I wish I had that in my top five. That's a nice one. And he wrote, even in death, he takes care of her. Boom. That's really good. Throw mama from the train. I saw that movie. That's really good. That's another one. I wish we both like that movie. What a ballsy, you know, Danny DeVito directed that. Yeah. I, I think I think it was Danny, his directorial debut. I, so he did that and War of the Roses. Yeah. I mean, look at these two movies that I have always said there's a scene, it's so funny, where he is calling uh Billy Crystal's character and they keep having this conversation. Like he doesn't want anyone to catch on to the ruse. And so Danny DeVito's character is in Hawaii and he's talking to Billy Crystal, trying to get Billy Crystal to kill his mother. And it keeps cutting back to Danny DeVito. It's like cross-cutting between these these two people, and they're on the phone. And every time it cuts back to Danny DeVito's uh, end of the conversation, he's at a different payphone. And it's like these tropical, like you see like a different vignette of Hawaii, but it's like a different payphone each time. And it's surreal. It's very like, because the conversation is, it's linear. You know, I understand. It's like flowing. I know. That's very funny. It's so that funny. Is so it's funny. little tiny moments like that that really make that movie and that that sticks out in my mind so well. It's that whole movie is really great. And Ramsey, she was the mother. You know, she, and that was she, right she was when your, she was dying, and yep. they kind of knew she was dying. Yes, and it was like that's this right. is gonna be her last hurrah. Danny DeVito is not appreciated as a director. No, we he's don't not. associate him as a director, no. just as a character actor is yeah. how we so but uh, as a director, his movies were wicked, at least those couple that we were mentioning. Uh, let me pull up Danny DeVito's please. directorial yeah, credits. Well, so let's, let's take a look at what he's done real quick. Um, a Bette Midler one too that he did. Yeah. He did a Bette Midler movie. Didn't he do a Bette I'm Midler? I'm going to pull it up while you you okay. So you I'm going to go talking. on the Book of Eli uh, and the movie Tommy. 
he said, is definitely a caretaker film. And um, why am I chained to the radiator, he wrote, oh, because boy. he knows how much I love that quote, because you ain't right with the Jesus yet. Black Snake Moan. And you know what? That really is a good caretaker movie. Someone else said Boxing Helena, The Notebook. I never saw that. You didn't see it? Uh-uh. I know of it, and I would love to see it. Huh. Yeah. My students were begging me to see it. So here, here it is, by the way. Go. Uh, it actually was not his uh, directorial debut. It looks like he did some other ones first. Taxi, uh, he directed The Selling of Vince D'Angelo. Never saw mm-hmm. that. Likely Stories Volume 2. So it sounds like that's like some anthology stuff of short films. The Ratings Game. I don't know these. Mary, that was a TV show. Like Mary, I think it was Mary Tyler Moore spinoff. Mm. And then Throw Mama from the Train was like the first big. Right. Then War of the Roses. He directed Hoffa. I saw Hoffa. Yeah. I saw that at a screening at the Writers Guild. It was a good movie. It, it was. was a solid film. Yeah. Matilda, which is also really, that's yeah. a good kids yeah. movie. Death to Smoochie, that's another really good movie. Duplex, I never saw. And then he did a bunch of, looks like he's done some more kind of crap stuff more recently. I was wrong when I said a Bette Miller movie, huh? But he's not appreciated as a director. Again, it's Taxi and as a character actor. If he, I mean, there's this movie that he did. Yeah, that doesn't look like it's got Bette Midler. It's got Rhea Perlman in it. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. And a few more caretaker movies. Someone wrote Little Orphan Annie. Well, there you go. Hmm. You yeah, know, that I guess could, so. And also, what about the movie Logan? Yeah. It's a caretaker. Yeah. We want to thank our listeners. Moving on to the week after that, which was our last podcast, Getting Bolder movies. Getting Bolder. Someone said, best Getting Bolder movie of all time, The Godfather. Would that be yeah, Getting I Bolder? Yeah, I see that. It would yeah. be. A network, someone said. Network? Would be a yeah, getting, those are good. Both I, are these good. are really good. And someone else wrote, here are my top five. Number five, uh, Big Bully, Rick Moranis versus Tom okay. Arnold. Um, Karate Kid. Yeah. Karate Kid. Uh, I would throw that in there. Getting Boulder. Three billboards outside of Ebbing in Missouri. Getting I don't know Boulder. if I would say, actually, now think about it. Karate Kid, he doesn't really get Boulder. He just finally gets the skills to be able to beat up the bully that was beating him up. So it's not that he got Boulder, but he learned, ex- yeah, he learned how to. He learned a skill. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, the Principal. That was Jim Belushi versus a gang with a little help from Malou Gossett yeah. Jr. Yeah. And Take Me Home Tonight. I have to forget, brave enough to get the girl. Um, the brave saying alive, someone said. And then our esoteric lady listener who wrote these esoteric foreign films that mm-hmm. we really like their feedback. She wrote, this week I don't have five. I only have one, and you may say it doesn't qualify, but it does get bolder. Fighting in an attempt to consummate a passion between two lovers. Le Age de Orange, a 1930 French movie. And the final one. From another faithful listener, he wrote a long email and he said, getting bold does not necessarily mean getting revenge with guns and fists. Well, we know that. We've been talking about the graduate is getting bolder. Sometimes it just means summoning up the courage to interact with other sex, blah, blah, blah. Woody Allen, play it again, Sam, with some help from Humphrey Bogart. You haven't seen that. A long time ago, I saw it. Steve Carell in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Danny Kaye in The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yeah. And Court Gesture. And then he wrote, for that matter, Humphrey Bogart himself could evolve from wanting to just coping to staying alive to getting bold to take definitive Casablanca. action. Casablanca. Casablanca and the African Queen mm-hmm. are all great examples of getting bolder films. We thank our listeners. Mm. Well, I mean, we got bolder as we listened to that. As we flow down the river of boldness in our little canoes. In our little canoes. 
I'm picturing you and I sharing a canoe as we roll. We go over the rapids. I'm paddling as fast as, my can, as I can in my canoe because it's time for In the News. It got closer. I heard that's the closest got, you've ever gotten. <laughs> hey, there's something I want to share with you. What do you got? Gonna, we've got some nitty gritty things to talk about. Okay. But first, if I may, you're going to be blown away by the fact that I remembered this. Yeah. You gave me an assignment. Oh. Who has been our guest more often on all of our 200? Oh, yeah, I forgot about many, this. 219 podcast. What's our uh, number? I think like? this is episode 200. 219, and, I think. I'll look it, it up. Yeah, okay. Um, 219. 219. This is How about 219. that? Uh, was it either. Eric, Mm -hmm. or was it Christina? Yeah. And here's your answer. Uh I did my homework. Uh Mm -hmm. I am anal compulsive. Well, first of all, let's start with how many episodes has Eric been on? Okay. We're going to include groups. Is that correct? Yeah. Because we talked about Defining That Way when we had our 200th anniversary episode. He was with people. Well, okay. If we do that, then we have to count the first episode that Christina was on as a guest. I have that. Okay. You know me. All right. And I went through this on on our website. Then, yes. Grand total for Eric, 11. 11 episodes? Yeah. We've had that fool on this show 11 yeah. times. That's enough. Is that what you're suggesting? Yes. No more. I would say more than enough. Yeah. Yeah. And 10 he wants times a, and he too wants many. a jacket with 11 on the back like they do for SNL, you know, for the gonna, guest hosts. With a Velcro one so we could, like, replace That's it, very, you know, with yeah, another yeah, number? Yeah, yeah, okay. Or just put a bar through it, like, no more. <laughs> Christina. Yeah. 21. 21. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so, so there you go. Yeah. Still got some ways yeah, to go. Yeah, he's got some some ways to go. Okay, let's get to some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Three things I want to share with you. Number one, I think you gave me this phrase two weeks ago, the Golden Globes are dead. Yeah. The Golden Globes are dead. Let's go over this now. They're, it's not being, NBC is not willing to air the show Doesn't anymore. this belong in the dead corner? Or the, it is. The it's in corner? the dead corner as well, so this mm-hmm. is overlapping a little bit. Okay. But it definitely is in the news as well. And here's what happened, you guys, with the Golden Globes that outside sources wanted to have a person there who's called a diversity liaison, diversity liaison, and the Golden Globes said no. The uh, foreign press said, no, we don't need that. The issue with the Golden Globes, Robert, is not that the nominees or the winners are not of color, but the issue is that the voters, it's the voters who are white or Asian, but that's it, no blacks. So because of that, there's been a huge protest. And also um, Cruz, Tom Cruise, you know that. He gave back his Golden Globe Awards. A few other actors followed wow. in well, suit. Well, it's all fixed now. They get- <laughs> we don't have to worry about any more racial inequality. I mean, Tom Cruise gave back his Golden Globe, so we're all good. That crazy. He gave it back. It's not being aired. And um, yeah, Golden Globes. It belongs to the dead corner. Hollywood Foreign Press. Isn't that something? Because they refuse to have with a their lives. Do we really liaison. need to fight with all this shit? Yeah. yeah. There you go. Hey, two things. Uh, the deal with Amazon buying MGM. Mm-hmm. This is really big, right? You sent me a link about that, and uh, it was for eight and a half billion dollars. And obviously, it's the content that can now be streamed on Amazon Prime, James Bond movies, mm-hmm. Rocky movies, and so on. How about Eight that? Eight and a half billion seems kind of like a deal, doesn't it? You know like, what? I thought it was going to be more. No, yeah. you're serious. Yeah. I really thought, is that all? Is that weird we'd say that about eight and a half billion dollars? I mean, I guess in this day and age, we just throw around the word billion like it's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. But eight and a half billion dollars and you own James Bond? All of them. All of them. And Rocky. And they had a whole list of them. They had a list. It's an incredible, obviously, incredible library of content that now Amazon Prime can stream. How about that? No. 
it, correct me if I'm wrong. MGM has had a long. It hasn't been bought and rebought and rebought and rebought over the years, like because it was like MGM United Artists yes. for a while, right? Yes. So MGM, I think it got bought by United Artists, if I remember correctly, but then United Artists fell apart, or maybe MGM was the one that bought United Artists. I can't remember. I get real confused on that stuff, and especially in Culver City with Sony. Mm -hmm. Like, who owns this lot now? It seems yeah. like everyone's buying back and forth, and it's all kind of, to me, it's got all a little bit jumbled up. Yeah. But a I miss. I mean, it's kind of almost like baseball. Like, I miss the, the heyday where you just had Wrigley Field, and it was... You know, the Wrigley Chewing Gum Company that just bought the name. and Yes. You know. Yeah. Bought the field and put their name on it and that was it. That's it. Well, we still have that with the Staples Center. Yeah, but I guess but what I don't like is Staples just feels corporate. At least with Wrigley, there's a name. Why does that feel different? How come with Staples, I roll my eyes. I do. Having mm -hmm. to call it that. But with Wrigley Field, it was cool. Because, is it because it was a chewing gum? Because I think, no, maybe. But I think really what it is is at the end of the day with Wrigley... There, there's one person that calls the shots, and we know it. Mm -hmm. We know who that person is. It's Mr. Wrigley. Same with Ford, right? But and when you get with the, and and Cadillac, right? Bob Cadillac at the end of the day, <laughs> or Steve Toyota. No, there I'm you kidding, go. I'm kidding. I know Steve. But at the at the end of the day, for Staples, it's this faceless. Whoever is CEO of Staples at that moment. It's monopolies and consumerism and all that stuff about yeah. capitalism that we don't like. But with Wrigley Fields, I, Field, I always got a warm feeling. I did. Yeah. I like calling it Wrigley Field. It was kind of cool. Like Citibank. I think Citibank Park, had, I think the Mets play there at the Citibank. And it's kind of like, that doesn't feel right. It just doesn't. They're all doing Verizon yeah. has an arena. And, and it's it's, I agree with you. I would rather them name it after somebody. Even yeah. if it's somebody that's hard, like LaGuardia, LaGuardia Air Airport, is, that does not roll off the tongue very easily. I know, I know. But I would rather that because, I don't know, it just kind of feels like you should name it after somebody instead of a, a, corporation. a, a corporation. I agree, I agree. Where at least Wrigley is named after the founder of a gum company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So $8.5 billion, Amazon Prime. Lots of streaming in our future. Mm. All the whole MGM library. When it's, does that go into effect? You know, I don't know that. I don't know. Mm. Um, soon. Hey, one more thing too that happened in the news. This just broke this morning. Um, you know that with a Quiet Place Part Two, uh, he Emily Blunt's husband, who wrote and directed the movie, yeah. uh, waited. He waited. He didn't want that movie to be streamed at all, and now it's paying off because this weekend it's already pulled in sixty million dollars. Mm. And they said that that film is starting the resurgence of movie theaters. Robert, you like this? With what's happening with Quiet Place, right? Too, it's supporting the notion that people love to go to movies. Yeah. There you go, and that's something you—that's been one of your core issues that you've been advocating even that before all the virus stuff. yes I've always you've said always it. said that and i would often come to the table saying do you think movie theaters will ever go away he said absolutely not I'd say absolutely not and this is a perfect example where 60 million dollars and uh john kaczynski the husband and again he's he went on a six city tour they showed it on the news robert he went to movie theaters in malls and thanked people for being there as they were he was so he was giddy he was actually giddy. He was in Miami, Florida at local neighborhood theaters, and he gave a talk. He said, this is for you guys. This is what movie going is all about. I held out, and this is your time. Enjoy the movie. 
and people were just applauding him and the fact that he stalled and waited a year. And as we already discussed, that movie in particular belongs in a theater because of the scares, the frights and all that stuff we can't talk. And we've often said that both humor and horror work better in a large auditorium where those emotions are contagious. Can I, let me piggyback on that. I have two things to say about that. Number one, I had a similar issue that came up. Do you remember in 2014 when the interview came out? That was the movie that was based off off the Kim Jong Un mm-hmm. or Kim Jong yeah Kim Jong Un interview. It was a Seth Rogen, um, James Franco movie, and there was a, a Sony Pictures was hacked, and that's right. They were hacked and basically uh, they were blackmailed and said we will release all of the stuff if you don't. If you don't pull that movie off the shelf. And That's at first right. they wouldn't do it. And they eventually, there were a lot of theaters at that time that refused to show the film. And they said, we won't show it because they were afraid of terrorist acts. They were afraid that something bad was going to happen. There were all of these um, these people that were digitally hacking into these companies. And they were saying, like, we're going to you know, fuck you up if you do and everything. But there were a few theaters that said, no, we're going to still show the film. And... I got tickets to go see it on opening night, and I, I believe it. it was Christmas Day that it opened. And I went there uh, to the actually the theater where Thirty Love premiered. Um, just you know the the smaller theater right up the street from the I shouldn't say the premiere, but where we had our run for Thirty Love. Oh, the run, the, yeah, not the Vista, but you're talking about the Las Palmas. Yes. So I went there, and lo and behold. There's Seth Rogen. There's James Franco. They both came out, thanked us for showing up. They said, this is really important. That is so cool. They threw out some t-shirts and stuff, and they said, we're going to go around. We've got some other theaters we got to go to, so we're not going to be able to watch the movie with you, but we hope you enjoy it. We really want to thank you. And I thought, that was really cool. That was really cool. I actually got emotional when I saw it. They showed it on the news about John Kaczynski. And again, uh, with, with Quiet Place 1 and 2, thanking the people for being there. Right. He was standing right by the ticket takers. That's, that's not, he's in the, and he's, by the way, he's in the movie too. Right. He's in the film. So, um, and before the movie starts, he would give a talk. He did that in a six-city tour, just thanking people. And the fact that it pulled in 45, uh, I'm sorry, $60 million on its opening weekend. Theaters are alive and well. They're bouncing back like crazy. I wouldn't say they're alive and well, but they're well. They're they're, they're in back. the process of bouncing back. And I would say that's probably the the community that was most hard hit, right? That and maybe museums, but maybe even museums could recover more. I mean, at least well, they've restaurants, got of grand, course. We're well, about but hard hit. restaurants were still serving. Some, some they of had them, to yes. adjust. Yes, but you couldn't yeah. go to the movie theater yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Yep. So I would argue that maybe movie theaters are even more so yeah. hit. I mean, yeah. maybe concert venues. I mean, that that those are definitely hit. Disneyland. Hard. Although now, have you seen that? What they're doing now, they have like, you have to sign up, and it's like a, a two hour wait just to buy tickets. I know. And then uh, it's like very closed off, to, and the prices are sky high, and it's like, uh, it's all fucked up. What's up with Disneyland? Can I tell you something else? Why are they? What? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, this, I I don't. They interviewed people who were in the Magic Kingdom, and they were like sobbing. That they were so glad to be back. I, I, I want to say, why don't you just play Monopoly with your family at home? Do you have to go back? I mean, this has been a year. We're all feeling it. But there was something about Disneyland that's saying, just get over it. But it's the happiest place well, Yeah, I don't get that. Like, well, that says something about your home life and what's going on with yeah. the interpersonal dynamics of your relationship with your family. I'm really being serious about that. I don't get that. This is 
I mean, people have misplaced emotions. Yes. They get way yes. too focused on yes. things. And it's like, you're obsessed over this thing for no real healthy reason. Yes. And, and it's usually because there's a part of you that is lacking, missing. Yeah. A broken hole. inside. There's a hole. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't mind if you, you like Disneyland, go to fucking Disneyland. That's great. You know, you want to go on, on Halloween or Dapper Day or whatever. To, go, that's fine. Go enjoy it. But the people that are obsessed with it, where you're like, you have a problem. They had people sobbing yeah. that they were back. They were yeah. crying. So they were so happy to be back. Um, just one more thing, too, about... Um, I, I think, too... Hold on. Let yeah, me, yeah, 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 yeah. It's people that are going to say, but my dad took me here when I was six. Yeah. And it's like, okay, okay, great. Your dad took you to the grocery store to buy some eggs, too, right? Like, what, fucking get over it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I agree. Uh, regarding A Quiet Place Part 2, and this is how the game... We actually Wait, spoke... I'm still not done. Because <laughs> there was something... Go, part two go, that I go. To say. I'm, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit on Week in Review because I want to tell you about a movie that I saw this week because it ties into kind of what you were just saying about doing the six... Six... Place six city tour. Six city tour. I saw Cinema Paradiso. You, I saw I, that in the theater. I never saw it. You before. never saw it. Never saw it. And I saw it recently. Thought of you. And as I'm watching the movie, I realized, you know, toward the end when they tear down the the Cinema Paradiso, the whole community came out. Everyone's there, and they're yeah. all crying and upset and i realized like uh, even halfway through it was kind of very obvious this is part of your community and that's really what it is it's you think of movies as being hollywood but it really is part of your community it's part of your local community shared emotions and that is why theaters will be around yeah that's why theaters yeah. won't be taken away it's let's go hear this story now, this story has been made by professionals or locals, really, but we as a community are going to interact with this story and appreciate it and uh, and relive telling the story later on. I mean, there are scenes where, um, I don't know if you remember, there was one scene where they uh, there was a nearby town that was also showing the same film and they, they had reel two that w this kid on a bike was like pedaling back and forth yes. so that they could kind of share the yes. film. Yes. And one guy at the theater says, I've seen the movie. I'll tell you what happens. And they're like, ah, shut up. You want to see the movie. But it was definitely, you could Im imagine him going home being like, I saw the movie. Here's what happens yeah. in the end. And yeah. sharing that yes. story. Absolutely. And, and the community coming together. It, and, and it really is eye opening to me of how much film is important to even local communities it was the central hub. So that's why it won't die is because, and not just because of, of a movie about that, but it's very real. It touches on who we are. It's a shared experience. It's Absolutely. a shared way for us to understand a story. I'm going to assume that you liked the movie very, very much. Hated it. <laughs> Thought it was off. I saw it in the theater when it first came out. And Robert, you might remember that she's one of our earliest podcasts a few years ago was our top five favorite movies with a kiss scene. My bad. Go ahead. <laughs> was uh, the ki uh, uh, cinema kisses? Remember, and I had that among my top five. Oh, yeah. At the end of that film, with all the kissing, the couples kissing, when yeah. the projectionist was watching that. So I did have that among my top five favorite cinema kiss of all time. What a movie! Yeah. That's what? great. I, I just yeah. You forgot I, that I included. I, I that. forgot that you included yeah. that. Oh well, yeah. Until you yep. said that right now. And, and then you gave me a dirty look when I said my number one was Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> 
the and spaghetti. They said that the was sp- <laughs> it's an arguable statement. Um, I just want to say too that regarding a quiet place part two, the rule of thumb after negotiation was that it will play in theaters for 45 days and then it will stream on Paramount Plus. That's another streaming service. So, but they they, they had to litigate on that. It's 45 days before it's allowed to stream. So, kudos. And again, the resurgence has started and movies are breathing I life think again. I think with Paramount Plus. I think that's going to be one of those. Um, it, it, it's not going to work. It's not going to. It's not going to. Ha- it's. I feel like Mean Girls. Like, quit trying to make that happen. Oh, you're saying that because uh, I know of no one who has Paramount. Plus. I've never. I had to look at that twice. Paramount Plus. Yeah. I, thought, I think I've heard the name, but it's not going to be like one of the major five or six or eight streaming services. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll try for a year or so, and somebody's going to buy them. Amazon will buy them and be like. We got Paramount uh, movies as well. Yeah, I've got Amazon and Paramount Plus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I be, I think Netflix is smart to get out of that game and just say we're going to create our own content, and then we're not fighting over the rights to other shit. We're fighting over rights to future stuff, which is far less expensive. And you know, you want movies that have already come out, great, go there or buy your DVDs or whatever. But if you want the new stuff, you got to come to us. You know, when you say creating their own content, there's something that's always confused me with Amazon Prime. And it says an Amazon Prime original, which suggests that it was produced by Amazon. But I think they just bought it and they're distributing it. Do you know what I mean? But they use the word original like it was theirs all along. But I'm not so sure. I think at that point you do produce it in terms of the distribution. Yes, yes. So you could still label it an original. An original parent. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Good. And that's what I've got for in the news. Hey, what'd you see this week? Mm. Gotta tell you, for oh, that's the wrong one, isn't it? I always do that. Some are old, some are new. We now present the week in review. But first, someone kind of sponsoring this segment. I don't know. It's been <laughs> so long. Come on, let Robert, me, do tell. Let me uh, dust off the old uh, <laughs> script here for this. Yes, AVGearGuy.com oh? has over thirty years of experience in the business of transferring all of your non-digital media into digital media. This is all of your old uh, slides and, and negatives and home movies, all of that stuff. He'll take that and transfer it into a digital format so you can share it with your friends and family. Yeah, we're both customers of, of avgearguy.com. He did all of my slides. He's extremely reasonably priced. Uh, go to Costco, and he's even less expensive than Costco, so don't go there. And if you mention Antiway Podcast, he will give you a discount. And go to his website. He's a great guy to work with. State-of-the-art equipment, avgearguy.com. Okay, now look. You hate it when I do this. I know what you're going to do. But you cannot go See, through 40 I knew, fucking movies. Wait, look, 13. I know, I know. No, no, no. I've got something. Don't worry. I knew you're going to bring this up. I knew you're going to bring this up. Yes, because Robert and I haven't been together in a while. And as our listeners know, we doubled up. So here we are. And I have 13 movies. And don't worry. I'm going to save you of that. So you don't have to get all exasperated exacerbated with me Exas- exacerbated. Masturbate on Ma- you? Oh, that too. And I'm just going to hone in on my top three or so. Okay. Or five. Or maybe eight. If or you're nine. gonna talk about maybe. the other, just list off the well, titles. That's what quickly. I can do too. Okay. Jeez. I, you're such a control freak, you know? I want a new podcast partner. You're not allowed to have a new control or new <laughs> podcast partner. See? I rest my case. Who's gonna right. be, you go first, son. You wanna go first? Okay. Okay, you go for it. Uh Cinema Paradiso, saw that, saw Argo with the wife. She hadn't seen that before. Saw a movie called The Night wait, Clerk. Wait, wait, I love Argo. Didn't you love it? Yeah. Yeah. I like I like that movie a lot. I got emotional. The no, Night Clerk. Have I you really seen The did Night Clerk? Get emotional. Um, I feel like you'd like The Night Clerk. I, I, oh no, I'm thinking of Night Porter. That's a different movie. Never mind. No. A League of Their Own. Yeah, you saw that? Yeah. 
The House Bunny. Rewatched that. Now, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Did you get me that for my birthday a couple years ago? Yeah. Yep. Wait, League of Their Own. Just a minute. You're rattling through these too fast. It holds up, doesn't it? Or does it? Yeah. Penny Marshall film. Okay, I'll Tommy. tell you what. Uh, there's a couple things about this. Number one, when you saw it in 1992 or whatever year it was, you didn't realize how bad of acting Gina Davis and Laurie Petty were doing. And even Tom Hanks was a little over the top, but they, they were not good. But there are a couple of scenes when Gina Davis is like, when she's walking up to the plate, getting ready to take a swing, you're like, oh, fuck, she looks scary. Like, I mean, she's supposed to be a badass, and yeah. she looks like a badass. And you're like, this really looks good. I've also, I got into, a, not a, a fight, but a, a, a heated debate do you remember that my money shot for the whole movie is the scene where the girl slides into third base and she's got that big strawberry on her legs, a big bruise. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? I didn't see it. You didn't see it? I don't like Get it. the fuck <laughs> out! How have it's you not me. seen A League of Their Own? No. Yeah, I don't like movies. You've not seen A League of Their Own? Baseball? Girls don't cry in baseball. No, I never saw it. No, no. It's not girls don't cry. It's not? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. No. Well, girls would be implied. Okay. Man, I don't even know where to begin with you now. All right. There's a scene where the one of the girls... So they make them wear these dresses, and they're like kind of skirts. Really? Yeah. Oh, like wait a movie. second. Yeah. A lot of girls in like uh, 1940s bras walking around talking in the locker room and stuff. Do they wear black fishnets also? All of them. Really? The requirement, yeah. High Ga- heels, too. Garters? Yeah. Of course. Do you have the Blu-ray? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, so uh, there's a, a scene where this girl is uh, sliding into third. She gets a huge strawberry on her leg, and they show her in the next shot with, you know, she's like laying on her on her side because her her left leg has this huge bruise on it. And Tom Hanks is kind of standing over her, taking a picture of it and everything. Oh, man, that's huge. So the word on the street is the actress truly got that strawberry from sliding into third. Oh. And so they put it into the movie. And I was looking at it going, that's not real. And I said, I didn't. Okay. So I said, that looks fake. And then we moved on and producer Joey looked up and said, no, they said that that was actually what happened. I pulled it back and went and looked at it again. And I said, now, wait a minute. There's a huge purple ring around it. And in the middle, there's some red streaks that look like cuts, like scrapes. And I said, those scrapes look real. That looks like it really, she really got cut. But that big purple bruise, no way. And I said, I, I've seen enough films. Whenever anybody gets a black eye or whenever they get a bruise of some kind, it's always super purpley. They, oh, the makeup department always overdoes it. Every time I've seen it, I've I've only seen like maybe one or two movies ever where they didn't overdo it. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and you watch movies specifically looking for that, you'll see it all over the place. It's like purpley. It's like, what is that? And if you ever look at a real bruise, it's not quite so purple. Right. It's like got some yellow and green in there. And it's kind of, it's not that purple thing. The purple also comes several days after. Right. The bruise. But you're right. I'm back on the yellow and green. You're right. You're right. That is the primary color. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. And, and they, the purple just looks so, it's, it translates into bruise, but that's, I don't know. 
but that's people's perception of what it should look like. Right, right. Big purple bruise, and it's like it's never actually purple. Sure, sure. it's like brown and yellow and gray. Anyway, so the I, I was like, the purple doesn't even come for like two or three days later. You know, it doesn't bruise like that immediately. And then I even looked it up, and it, uh, you know, I was looking at this medical text that was talking about bruising, and it says the purple comes when the blood has um, started. It's like a reaction to oxygen over several days, like a course of several days that it winds up having this reaction to the oxygen and everything else. And I said, so you see, there's no immediate purple that happens where it's still bleeding. And she she didn't have any scabs on it or anything. It was she was still icing it. It had just happened. You could see the blood was still there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's happened is that she's got a real scrape, and then they added all this makeup to it to make it seem even worse. And then producer Joey found a quote from someone who had said that um, this, this person had said, oh, yeah, I, uh, it was a – there was not a stitch of makeup or you know, not a drop of makeup or something like that. And I was like, nah, it's bullshit. Yeah, it that, that's a story – that these movies the, perpetuate in order to kind of build up some a publicist buzz. a publicist right. behind that to right. manufacture it because it makes people talk about it like we are right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So anyway, League of Their Own. Oh, Actually, you know what? I did see. I had it on the background. Was doing other things. I was very moved by the ending where it's a flash forward and we see them what they look like when they go to this exhibit and see photographs. Of well, actually, that's. Like. The whole movie's a flashback. I, I didn't see that because so, I didn't know that because I didn't see. <laughs> the beginning yeah. shows her. Oh, now in yeah. present day? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Good. Um, Anything else you saw? House this? Bunny, Grandma's Boy. Wait, uh, well, House Bunny? Why, what made you? I want to see, oh, see a good movie. Uh, right, yeah, House yeah, Bunny's fun. Yeah. Oh, I love House Bunny. Q. I saw Into the, Q, Into the Storm, that documentary about QAnon. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long it's been since I've seen you. I saw the documentary about Son of Sam. A Descent into Dark. Have you seen this thing? It's no. fascinating. It's basically a really good, compelling documentary that talks about how the Son of Sam killings was not just one person. It was multiple people. Really? And it, I mean, it's really convincing. It's like you know, there was a, a bunch of people. And um, and Berkowitz has even said, yeah, it wasn't just me. It was wow. the others. Wow. Yeah. And no one, everybody's like, oh, he's crazy. So they're kind of dismissing it. And New York doesn't want to bring this up because then it freaks everybody out. Right. But it kind of talks about who those other people were. Wow. One of them, his dad, it was, okay, so it was Berkowitz and these two other guys that were really involved. And the two other guys were brothers. And their father's name was Sam. So were, were these people Sam. caught and brought to trial of justice? No. no. They were killed. Uh, one was killed. Um, they said it was a, a suicide but it was like it was a really suspicious situation and then the other guy um he died in a car accident and other witnesses said that they saw a car crash into him like smash into him and then take off down the exit and go away so the base kind of ran him off the road right right people would get comfort from the closure and that's why they just said they alluded to the fact it was just one person. Yeah. And it's so just, it's neat and tidy and right. puts a ribbon on it. But and they said that some of the murders were even filmed as like a snuff film. Yeah. And there were other people besides just the three of them uh, that were involved in each of the killings. And, and Berkowitz said there were some that I did. Uh, he said, I pulled the trigger on this one and this one, but not that one, not that one. I was there, but I didn't, uh, I didn't wow. actually pull the trigger. 
So there might be a killer among us who didn't get brought to trial. Well, it gets into this whole thing. Do you remember all the satanic shit that was going on yeah. in the 80s, like yeah. that satanic panic? It was it tied into that in this group that was started out. You know what you know what LARPing is? I uh, live action role playing. Yes, yes, role playing. Yes. And so it's kind of like these people who are LARPing and like, oh yeah, we'll be Satanists, but then it starts getting kind of carried away and they really got into it and they started doing acts that were really fucked up. They found all these um dogs that had been like murdered and, and butchered in like a satanic ritual and stuff in the areas that they used to meet. And it was kind of thought that maybe these people were really just get, I mean, this is also the time sounds bizarre, but you got to remember this is not that long after Charles Manson. Right. And the group that they were involved with actually had some ties to the Manson family. So there actually were some ties to both of these groups. It was like, it's really wow. bizarre. Some of the stuff. I'd like to go to a LARPing party. I would. Well, that's what Comic-Con's all about. I know. Yeah, I could dress up as um, Atticus Finch. At Comic-Con? Or, or Dr. Richard Kimball. Future. Okay. Uh, what did you see this week? Yeah, okay. And, and that's what you saw this week. Yeah. Per your request, I whittled mine down from my uh, 27 to just a few. And first of all, I want to start with a question. Even when we disagree... I understand intellectually your point of view, but this is one of those few times where I don't understand why you feel the way you do. And that is to say that once again, while I was doing other things, there was the movie Face Off. It's grand. It's over the top. It's a popcorn movie. It's well photographed. It's an insane premise, but either you buy into it or you don't. And if you do, you're in for a wonderful two-hour roller coaster ride. And what I love about it is that our two leads are kind of making fun of each other with their body language and so on. And you just don't like that movie at all. No. And I, I again, even when we disagree, I get it when we disagree. But this is one of the very few times that I don't understand why you can't go for along with a ride. For, there's something about movies that are... Okay. If this movie was trying to be serious, right? If this movie was going, no, we're actually making a real action movie about this. I don't even care about the insane premise, right? But it's the over-the-top acting that does it in for me, where I'm like, no. I can't handle this, right? It's, it's like Transformers. So if it's trying to be serious, I don't like it. If it's not trying to be serious, it, it's winking too hard. Oh. And so... It's in this weird, like, nether region. I just don't dig on those kinds of movies. Nicolas Cage was doing the persona, you know, of, of what's his name? John oh, Travolta and John Travolta Nicolas Cage. And it was almost an homage to their styles and all this stuff. And it was, it was a John Woo movie. You know, we had all that with the, the trench coach the, and the doves fly. You know, right. all that stuff. But see, the, the, the other problem, too, is John Woo has become a parody since then, right? Like, the John Woo stuff, but that was largely still, I think it was serious. I don't think this movie was meant I agree. to be funny. I agree. I agree. And that's the problem that yeah. I have with yeah. it. It's, it's not like people are going, I mean, now you do a John Woo movie and it's like, okay, that's, you're making fun of John Woo. I get it. But that was the movie that people kind of used to establish yeah, yeah, the John you're right, Woo. You're right. You're right. I saw that. I also saw, I hadn't seen this in years and years. Fatal Attraction. Mm. And I got to tell you, I, I haven't seen it in a long time either. I have not seen it in a couple decades. It's quite a movie with Michael Douglas. Now, and Glenn we Coast. had just talked about this recently where she's watching his family 
she's looking in through the window and the family's all in white and Michael Douglas is wearing a white shirt with a black jacket. Oh, that's right. Remember I was telling you about yes, this? Yes, 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 costuming. yes. Yes, yeah. And she's wearing like a, a black shirt with a white jacket or right, something like that? Right, right. It's quite a movie. And as we know, a few years later, they did Play Misty for me, which was the same storyline. But Fatal Attraction delivers. I think it was really a, mm. a, a solid film. Wait, a few, mi- a few years later? You mean a few, few years earlier? Play Misty for me. This is an interesting. That was late which 70s. came out first? Which came out first? You're, Play Misty. Play Misty for me. for me came out first. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay, got that. You know what I saw? Something I hadn't seen also in many many years. Georgie Girl, and this was Lynn. You're not familiar with it? No. With Lynn Redgrave and also Alan Bates and James Mason. Look at this cast. And it was made in England. It had a very catchy song. Hey there, Georgie girl. There's another Georgie deep inside. Anyway, so it, was, it has that. The Seekers was the name of the group. And I was curious to see how it held up. And it was still, it kind of held up. It was a documentary on Mike Nichols and Elaine May. Oh. And I really liked it called Nichols and May. I was going to joke and say, is it called Nichols and May? Yes. That's See, so yeah, that's what it was called. And it was very interesting, too, because um, they were not married. People think they were a married couple when they used to do their stand-up routine and when they used to be on Jack Parr and so on. But they were just partners in the stand-up shtick. And, of course, he went on to but do But they were lovers, movie. though, right? <laughs> well, they fucked on the side a little bit. No, but I'm being serious. No. They, well, they had no romantic I don't know. You watched the documentary. They didn't talk about the romantic side at all? No. No. Interesting. Mike Nichols, but they were talking about also his first film, which was Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? That was his directional debut. And Shop by Haskell Wexler, they did not get along. And this has been brought out in two documentaries. There was incredible friction, respect for each other. And what Haskell Wexler, who won the Oscar, by the way, and that was when they had black and white and color mm-hmm. cinematography awards in the Oscars. That was last year they did that. And uh, Wexler was saying, well, this was Mike Nichols' very first film. It was before The Graduate, and he was a Broadway guy. He directed Broadway. He wasn't thinking cinematically. So there was friction because of that, but it all worked out in the end. And speaking of which, right after that, there it was, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? I hadn't seen that film in a long, since the theater. And I got more out of it this time around than I did a few decades ago. Yeah, It's still... I don't know if it's a great movie. Look at the cast again. And with, uh, as we know, Mike Nichols directed that. And with Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, Sandy Dennis, and George Siegel, who yeah. just passed away. What a cast, all at the top of their game. And um, a fucked up storyline, but it was still mesmerizing in its own way. It was a fascinating did, Okay, let's, let's drill down on Who's yeah. Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah. It's a... He's a college professor. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you know, what I'm what? trying to say, like, with the film... The problem with that movie is it seems like there's it's a lot of talking. Yes. Right? It's 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 a play. I mean, you're watching a cinematic play. Absolutely. I I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. I saw the play with my mom and dad. Yeah. And you'll get a kick out of this and we were having breakfast the next morning and we were talking about, well, did they have a baby or didn't they? My dad called the theater. <laughs> my dad called the theater. And so we saw your play last night. We just have to ask you a question. We're having a family discussion. Did they have a baby or didn't they? Only my dad would do that. So and I kind of like that he did that. What did they say? They said, oh, you got to interpret it yourself. <laughs> Probably not. I don't think they had a baby, but they wanted one. But at any rate, go ahead. Well, it was a stage play. They turned into a... Right. And they're drunk for, I mean, 99% of the movie. And the problem is we're not drunk. <laughs> So we're watching a bunch of drunkards who are trying to have a conversation, very esoteric and 
uh, just in a lot of ways this this the problems with that movie are some of the same problems I have with my dinner with Andre, which are I was like, just going to reference that movie while you were talking. It, it, there's some similarities yes, there, which yes. are like these circular talking yeah. and, and like conversations that seem like they're going to tie back in, but never really do. What's the other one? Like not maybe it's, it's waiting for Godot, but the, what's the other one with the uh, Rosencrantz? And the oh, yes, yes, yes. Same thing. Right. So it's a lot of just talk, talk. And it's like, what are we doing? Yeah. Where are we the, going? And the whole movie's in their living room. The whole movie takes place. No, don't they go now, to a diner? In, who's who's in, afraid of Virginia? There's Wolf? one quick scene at the diner. Yes, they're also outside a little bit. And the opening shot is at the college. But other than that, 86% of the movie right. is in the living. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Good black white cinematography. A beautiful yeah. movie. Yes. And great acting. Yes. It's so weird to be like, you're doing an incredible job of acting, and yet. What the fuck's going on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Lee's Nickel, uh, Naked is the same way. It's just a drunk guy wandering around talking to people. And yeah. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, when these I are watched movies it, that I, I first... feel like I got to check off the box. Yes. I saw Certain it. movies you're obligated to see. Yeah. That's it. You're obligated to see. I did get more out of it than I did when I saw it in the early 60s mm. on a date. And it just, I wasn't connected. Here I got a little more out of it, but still. At any rate, those are the movies that I saw the last few weeks okay yes and robert this is gonna be a long episode is it that's okay tell me who i am uh, yeah are you asking me yeah i've been waiting a long time to discuss this with you huh. but first if we're talking about the documentary talk us through it what a great premise for a documentary okay if you have not seen tell me who i am this is a 2019 documentary it's a little older mm-hmm. but it's on netflix and you can check it out this is a documentary about Two twins that grew up in uh, in England, and one of around the age of eighteen, one of them, Alex. So the uh, bro- the brothers are Alex and Marcus. Alex loses his memory because he has a motorcycle crash. Right, right? right. so he goes has a motorcycle crash, wakes up out of coma, and has forgotten everything. Wiped, remember wiped who he out. is. Wiped the out. only thing he can remember is his brother. And he goes, oh, you're my brother. He remembers that, but everything else has to be relearned. So in the process of relearning everything, he has to relearn who his friends are. He has to relearn, you know, things about the house, all of it. It all slowly starts coming back. And his brother's kind of re-explaining all this. And he's relearning stuff about his his home life. And as the documentary evolves, we start to learn that the brother, Marcus, has actually been lying to him about his past. And has actually kept a hidden part of his past away from him. And what he has hidden is that his parents have been very, very cruel to him. And probably there's been some sexual uh, molestation that's gone on in his past. May I do a, a, a light, light correction here? He didn't really lie, but through the process of uh, not disclosing, there was distortion. Yeah. Are you cool with that? Yeah. So he didn't really lie, but he left a lot out. Well, then he did and- start to lie eventually because he there were a couple of things that started to kind of come out a little bit more definitely bending of the truth we'll we'll agree there right yes and so when the parents die they're now kind of coming face to face with the reality of their world and this leaves alex to actually ask this question of were we sexually molested or not what's going what the fuck's happening here i found 
I found the conversation between these two brothers and just their telling of their life story to be riveting. Um, I'm not sure how you felt about it. What did you think? Well, you're talking about in the third act right now. There was well, a, really no, the, the whole, whole thing. Film, yeah. The whole movie. All right. So first, let's talk about the movie itself. And then I have a, a, I thought about this really interesting question I want to discuss with you mm-hmm. about have you ever altered reality to not safe to, to make someone feel less hurt? Did you ever tell somebody what they needed to hear at that moment? Which is an interesting question. And I do want to talk to you about did he do the right thing or the wrong thing? And I'm. That's why I wanted this. That's film what to I want to talk to. This is what I can't run the same. As a, should we do a movie first as a documentary and then get into that? Sure. Okay. You liked the documentary a lot, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did too. However, I did feel that it was. Don't get me wrong. I liked it a lot. I felt it was a bit overly melodramatic at times, and I did with the use of raining, the gravel road. Uh, lots of shots of the trees, lingering profile shots, m- the music. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like it was almost the movie was about manipulation. And it was almost like we were being manipulated in watching this film. I'm nitpicking. I liked it a lot, but I thought it was a little bit orchestrated, heavy handed. And it, it, I thought it could have been a more objective of this story that obviously the filmmaker had an agenda and they made it more melodramatic than they had to and it felt a little bit manipulative. I would can, can I you can, appreciate I can that? appreciate that concept. I think to defend, I guess, yeah. that their position on it, I would say you're trying to be respectful to what is just an awful aspect of somebody's history. And one person can remember it and another person can't but the person who can't is trying to remember it and the person who can remember it is trying to protect them from not remembering it it's a very complex it is it's it's incredibly complex how do you match that tone right and there the answer is you sure can't come at it comedically i mean you could almost do that. Do you remember we saw Identical Strangers, the, was, the, the, the triplets sure. who were all separated at birth and raised differently? There's some comedy there, and I can appreciate that comedy, but that's not this. And yes, they had some horrible things that happened to them in their history, but it's kind of like you can almost move on a little bit from that. Um, there was some manipulation, but it wasn't this kind of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Even the last scene where we're looking at that wrought iron gate and the camera slowly tracks along, and it's very symmetrical where we see, it's almost like the twins. Mm-hmm. It's the twins that we're seeing. And there were a lot of shots showing like from the ceiling looking down of their two beds sleeping as children. Mm-hmm. And I thought a little bit, I'm going to say heavy-handed, melodramatic, um, self-consciously so. I'm nitpicking. I like the movie a lot. That was my only negative issue with it. I guess what I would say is what other image are you going to cut to? black so with closing credits okay as right. they're talking and yeah. you need a moment to for your audience to process the information what do you show them right right and you need some filler in there you need some like here's the house let me just kind of show you what we're generally talking about i get what you're saying the rain right? the gravel yeah a lot of that was just atmospheric elements that i guess it over. didn't bother me as much. right okay okay but i do appreciate what you're saying and I like the movie a lot. And and you did too. And thank you for recommending this. And so I don't I can't wait to hear your opinion on this. 
the brother who did the lying. Again, I got their first names mixed up. Marcus yeah. knew. Alex Marcus. didn't. Alex was the one. Part that of me, Robert, thinks that Marcus took a noble high road. I, I, I can't shake that argument that what would I do if I was in that position? And I know truth has merit. I know truth is pure and we're always seeking the truth. However, if you can really protect someone that I, I was feeling that way as I was watching the movie, that he was doing the noble thing to lie, to distort so he can have comfort. So his brother can have comfort and solace for the rest of his life. But I'm torn and I don't like it when I get wishy-washy, but it's a hell of an emotional question. Can I tell you, Please. I, this is a rarity. I don't know. I'm 50. And it, you know, let's just say that in years past, Robert, you've always playfully teased me about how I'm wishy-washy. Yeah. And I see both sides. You say, take a stand. Stop saying, this is one time, man. I'm 50-50. I really am. And I thought I'd get the wrath of Robert that I really see both sides. Truth has such merit. That's the goal. That's the purpose of everything, yeah. of art, of art. And me, everything is is that perfection and truth that we never get to, but we can get close to it. And this, but he was saving his brothers from, from incredible, tortuous angst. What would you do if you were that brother? There you go. You knew I, I was going to ask you that. I don't know. I know. I Because I think to, okay. Sorry, I have to back up. Yeah. The, one of the issues that they they just they don't even really touch on, but you can almost kind of tell by watching the movie is that the there is and I think it's this way in most relationships, there's usually one person who's a little bit more dominant, right? There's the the leader and the follower almost. And it's hard to change those dynamics. I think those dynamics, once they're established, they're pretty well cemented in place. Now, I don't know what happened in terms of their dynamics before um, Alex got in the car accident or the motorcycle accident. But it definitely seems to be that now Marcus, the one who can remember everything, is the more dominant of the two. Could you agree with that? Concept? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Even in their body language, when they finally sit down and have this conversation. I want to talk to you about that. I mean... Alex is leaning forward. Yes. You could tell he's eager yes. and he's like, please tell me. And he wants to know. And Marcus is sitting back and is in, he's the one that's making all the decisions. Yes. Right? It's all yes. in his, his camp, his court. Yes. I bet that's your money shot, by the way. Go ahead. In part, it definitely yeah. is. Yeah. So I think because of that, we're now, the, there's now these unspoken power dynamics that are at play. And one person has power over the other by the form of information. And one person is determining, here's what's good for you. Instead You're of playing the other, God. You're playing God. Right. And instead of the other person saying, here's what I need to know. Right. Right. And he's playing God. Yep. And I don't <laughs> like that. I mean, I don't, I don't like anybody. But, having, his, but I'm going to be the devil's advocate. His intent was honorable. I think so, but maybe, but but it could also be a situation where it's his intent was honorable. Yes, it was. It was. But can can you also appreciate that it might have been honorable, but it might have also come from a fucked up power place because he's been fucked up his entire life. Maybe, and maybe but we this don't is know. his way to say, "I can control this thing. I have power over this other person." Yeah, but you're speculating right now. I am. 
for sure, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. And so we if we know. take it just at its face that it was just a noble act, I think you also have to take into consideration that, and he even freely admits this. He says, by lying to my brother about it and not telling him the truth, I was able to lie to myself as well. And I made it untrue for me. And so at that point, it comes down to the selfish act, which kind of makes sense too. And, you know, you could even see his reluctance to not want to participate in the... Well, I want to back up. That was a selfish act. Yeah. Yeah. Not selfless, but selfish. selfish. Go ahead. Yeah. And I think his reluctance to even participate in the documentary, you could kind of see he was yes. a little hesitant. Yes. And he's like, because this means I don't get that element anymore. I don't yeah. get to be... Um, rid of this my entire life i now have to wear this my entire life fuck you knew i was going to do this you're not surprised you were no, going to broach it to me i was going to broach it to that's you that's why i wanted and to I talk about this you're going to give me a hard time that i'm torn down the middle i really am it's a 50 50 split for me i'm being really wishy-washy and you know me and you know i obsessed on this notion uh when i watched it last night thinking what would i do if i was in that position to bring comfort to my brother, who I love very much for the rest of his life. Do we always need to know the truth? There you go. That's the question. And I just don't know. I mean, I think it also kind of depends on the person. Some people can handle the truth better than others. Some people kind of need to be lied to. And that's awful to say. I wish we could all handle the truth, but some people just don't. And it also depends on what truth we're talking about. You know, I might be able to hand some people might be able to handle this kind of truth, but not other truths. Did you ever lie to someone to bring them comfort? Uh, while nothing is really coming to mind right now, I'm sure I have. Yeah. But I think it's probably more of a lie of omission, you know, just not telling something. Yeah. Man, this is, it's a tough I one. I know. And the fact that we're both responding this way suggests it's a really good movie. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we're we're grabbling grob we're groveling suggests what a movie well it, i've always i've said this before about other movies i mean a, a movie should or any piece of art really should make you feel something that you weren't feeling yeah, before yeah i was certainly not contemplating this concept and i was not feeling this kind of uh, i mean not animosity but like um what's the uh amba uh, not ambidextrous but ambi um and ambiguity that's what i'm looking yeah. for I mean, the truest form of ambiguity is you feel two ways, right? Yeah. That, that's what the most people think it means. Um, I could I could go any which way, but ambiguity truly means two things. Seems you have yes. ambi two, right? Well, um, that's really interesting. That's where the word comes from. Yeah, like ambidextrous, left right. and right-handed. Right. Yeah. So, so it's both operating simultaneously. It's two things at yeah. the same yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not not many, but two. Yeah, yeah. And I truly feel yeah. ambiguous I love about it. this movie. Yep. And it's kind of like... What a haunting movie. I see both sides. What a haunting movie. It is haunting, especially the gravel and the shots of the trees and the gate. I love those. <laughs> the overhead shot of their beds. But you could appreciate my point on I can. that. I, I can know, yeah. You're wrong, but I can appreciate <laughs> it. Um, yeah. I mean, what I also... I, I got to say some of the things about the movie, going back to that. It's not very long. It was like a... It was less than an hour and a half, right? So yes. they didn't stretch this thing out much longer than it needed to be. I could appreciate that. But I never, I didn't feel like it went on too long. Did you feel no, that way? No, not at all. Not at all. And I often say that with yeah. other movies. No. It was a tight, I think of an hour and 23 minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was tight. And the, for me, when I, I'll get it, started getting into money shots. Um, the, 
there weren't so many money shots. There maybe were a few, but really it was their discussion of some of this stuff and, and their descriptions of what was going on. Um, so it should be noted that when they have this conversation about what happened, the brother that knows kind of says like, I, I, I can't tell you, I can't do it, but I have told the camera and you could go right, watch what the right, camera right. says, like what I said to the camera. And I just, I can't tell you face to face. I'm sorry. It's just too hard for me. So the other brother, Alex does indeed go listen to what happens. Right. And that, they reveal it to us as the audience. I think we deserve it, right? If you didn't tell us that in the movie, it would be kind of a betrayal. Yes, I know it's somebody else's personal experiences, but that's they know what they're signing up for. They know when you do a documentary and you're telling it to the camera, you understand that this is going to be shared with other right, people. Right. And I think we as an audience care about that to understand how deep was this? This was the the secret that you're guarding and we should be rewarded for that. I mean, in terms of we watched this movie, it would be very disappointing to not sure. know. Sure. Even though it's very graphic and horrible and that reveal to me is definitely one of the uh, that that's my money shot even though it wasn't a shot. It wasn't say, a shot, but it was knowledge information. Yeah. It was dialogue or yeah. whatever you yeah. want to call it that was really Wow, they lived in a shed for many years. The mother hid all their birthday presents and cards, birthday cards. Just so many fucked up little things. There were so many things the mother did. Yeah. And this is an upper class couple, married couple. What a piece of shit. Yeah. What, you're saying what she did was bad? No, I'm saying what a piece of shit that they would complain about. (laughs) Whiny, whiny. Oh, you need gifts for Christmas? (laughs) I mean, could you imagine though how, what what must have happened to her in her life ah, to get like that? Yeah. I mean, she had to have been raped several times herself, and like all sorts of fucked up shit. And I'm sure the dad was no picnic either. Well, he's physically violent, right? Other money shots, other than what you just described, which was where we get information. And learn the aha near the end of the film. I mean, so much of this movie is is talking heads yeah. who are describing a house and their relationship into it and things like that. And so for me, it just kind of feels it's like more of the images that I've created in my mind as they're talking right. about this. Right, right, right. Uh, because they, we don't really see too much. We see the outside of the house, I guess. Um, but I don't know that there really are so many money shots. No, it's, no. I mean, I can remember the the background was this white background that they did all the interviews with, with these, you know, like a inside, like a studio. Yes. With the big lights that were there. there what was like that? that? It was almost like an abstract. It had an interesting, it was a light, right? Yeah. But it was interestingly framed. Yeah. And, and my money shot, we're, we're more or less saying the same thing was the big, we should say that this movie is structured with act one, act two and act three. And at the beginning of act three, where they finally come face to face, they're in the same room at the same time. And when we, they first walk in, and the way it's shot and very symmetrical, yeah. very symmetrical. And that certainly is a money shot for me and what you were describing earlier, seeing them with their body language at the, sharing a table, facing each other, profile, mm-hmm. profile, profile. Some of it was almost like when they first, it was almost like silhouette. It yeah. was just, it was perfect. It was perfect. And that's my money shot. Great premise for a documentary. Oh, Fascinating. Yeah. And a great philosophical idea at the heart of it. Yeah. 
Would you lie to protect somebody, but it denies them the, a, a key element and truth about their life? Right. Man. Yeah. Like, what if you had a coma and you came out of it and I told you, Ira, you're actually a really nice guy. <laughs> well, everyone would know you're just lying through your ass. Everybody else would know. Oh, but I would believe it. Yeah. I'd say, really? Yeah. Oh. Ira, you're really smart. <laughs> and you love movies. You know, I, I want to say, <laughs> that's very funny. I actually did this once when I asked you if you can think of a specific. And there was a good buddy of mine who really should go nameless. And with him, I met a girl and he was very jealous and and he thought he was blah, blah, blah. There's a weird dynamic and a weird energy with spinning on his end and was eating him up that I was seeing her and we were still tight. This was only about a year ago. Hmm. And I called him up and I said, we broke up. It's not true. It was a lie. And I said that to him so to give him peace. And he was so happy. He told me, I am so relieved. I, I hate to say this to you, but I feel so, I'm sorry about the breakup. I'm happy about the breakup. Oh, it was really bothering me. We were still together. And I actually lied. And that's one of the few times in my life I ever You think I don't dinner. remember that conversation? <laughs> now, a few months later, we really did break up. And you and he, the friend. <laughs> with a girlfriend. But I went back to my, this guy and I said, I'm going to tell you something. And I actually owned up to it. I said a few months ago when I told you we broke up, it was a lie to make you feel better. But this time we really did. So there's a specific example. So what did he say? He actually thanked me for lying to him. He thanked me for lying to him. I mean, this goes down it's to... fucked up that I had to be put in that position. Yeah. What were you going to say? You were just... Well, I mean, would you like to believe a beautiful lie? Well, that's what... This is all about. I mean, the That's Matrix gets into this same kind of concept, yeah, it does. Right? Yeah, Do yeah. You want to take the red pill you or blue, blue pill. pill? Yeah, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. I guess the problem comes into like with Matrix. It's what do you want? You get to make a choice. Here, oh, that's a really good there point. There is no it's thrust upon you. Yeah, it's forced on you. Yep. And there's someone who, and that's kind of what I mean is that there's this weird power position. Yeah. That this person has over you i that's very interesting about the dom and the other guy was kind of uh, submissive he was you can see in his body language the way yeah. he talked that's an interesting point and also the reason why they stopped being sexually abused came down to the more dominant of the two his actions are the ones that severed the whole uh molestation when he cycle. left he left out and took the subway home right by himself yeah what a compelling movie. Thought-provoking? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Anti-wave. Tell me who I am. Is it anti-wave? Um, well, let's get started. Well, it's documentary. Documentary. So by that definition, it is. Um, it's also really only two guys talking. Right? You're right. It's a talking head. 95% of, of the movie is a talking head. Right. Yeah. That's also anti-wave. Um, the subject matter. Yes. Extremely anti-wave. That's anti -wave. three things. Make it anti-wave. The one thing that makes it non-anti-wave is the three-act structure. And, it was, and they even labeled it for us. Yeah. They even labeled it one, two, and three. Right. Anything else that makes no, it non-anti-wave? No. Um, 
I think I'd probably give this movie about a, an eight, eight or nine. I was going to say eight. Yeah. 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 It's up there. 8.3. 8. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, definitely not a light, you know, silly romp. You know, it's far cry from uh, from House Bunny. But, <laughs> but, I mean, a great movie nonetheless. And in a lot of ways, can I, I just want to say one last thing before we move on about it. Almost a mystery. Like there was a... Oh, it was. That's a good point. Absolutely. It was unraveling. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons... I, I've, I've talked about documentaries so much lately. I think that's really what documentaries have, have grasped. Good documentaries, which in the past five or six years, they've, they've just gotten so good. Maybe 10 years. They've and just gotten incredible. And it's really because they're all a mystery. That's what we loved about... Icarus? Icarus, yes. That's, that's what, what we loved about Icarus. Right. That started out as a doping for bike racers, right? Bicycle racing. And then racing. into this and international, into this international Olympic doping scandal. And But so many other documentaries that we can think of, like they, it's always like this kind of a cats. whodunit. Cats. Uh, don't fuck with cats. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't that's fuck with a cats. perfect example of a mystery unraveling where it becomes bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking about the movie The Imposter, which I told you about before. I'm not sure if you saw, but it was about a kid who... Um, was in France and he lied and said that he was part of this. He was a kidnapped kid from uh, from Texas, and then that. they wound up coming to get him, thinking that it was actually their son, but it wasn't. And so he kind of started to live this life as this kid. He looked nothing like the kid, and it was they just took him in as their yeah. own. It was yeah. very weird and bizarre. Like that's a mystery. Yeah. It's like what the fuck is yeah. going on here? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. See it. Watch this movie. Okay. Now, um, now. Who died this month? Got to tell you, this month, unfortunately, most of the following people, they deserted us. I want to start off with the Golden Globes. They're dead. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. We're going to change it up a little bit because instead of rattling off 18 or 20 names for key grips and best boys and so on, we're going to go for, not to say everyone, everyone's valuable. We don't care about them. We don't care about those people. Let's go for those people haven't done anything that contributes (laughs) to the film society of our, of, of the globe. I got a few names I want to share with you. Marcus York. You know who he is. Do you know who he is? 55-year-old uh, American actor, mostly TV. He was uh, Billy Merchant. He's dead, right? The, yes. So do I know who he was? Was, okay. past tense. I guess so, even though they're still alive in film. Um, he was in the office. He's in a wheelchair permanently. He, the actual actor is in a wheelchair. He was known for uh, The Office, but he's also been in quite a few movies, including Artificial Intelligence. And um, he had an automobile accident, and so he was paralyzed, and he's dead at 55. Alvin C. York. Okay, cool. Got it. Next. Alvin C. I don't know what that is. I didn't get that. Didn't what you just said? No, Alvin Marcus, C. Marcus A. What, what, Alvin C. York? Who's Alvin C.? I, I'm not getting this. This is going over my head, isn't it? And you're going to get frustrated with me. You're just like rolling your eyes at me and like dis- disgust because I can't keep up with you. Yeah. Alvin C. You don't Alvin C. York? You don't know Alvin C. No, York? is that really somebody? Who's Alvin C. York? He was, you're not going to tell me. All of our just, listeners. You just mentioned he was a wheelchair. No, that's Marcus. I want to talk to you about someone. I love how you just crap all over my. Well, I didn't get. I make these little like deep. deep oh, yeah. They're really I, clever. Went over my head. Alvin C. York was a. Do you, you remember Saving Private Ryan? So I don't know, like, oh my like, gosh! Yes, I saw it. Oh, was that the name of the sniper in Alvin's in uh, in Saving Private Ryan was based on Alvin C. York. Oh, but Alvin C. York was from the First World War. Got it. 
You know he's dead, Alvin. Who else is? Are you familiar with Norman Lloyd? I got it. Now I'm going to own up to something. I always thought this guy was kind of a character actor, and he was insane elsewhere. Listen to this, Robert. 106 years old, American actor, producer, director. Uh, his career was spanning almost a century, going back to early radios, and he ended his last movie was Trainwreck in 2015. He worked with Alfred Hitchcock. He was played a Nazi in Saboteur. He was in Spellbound in 1945. He produced Alfred Hitchcock Presents, the anthology show. As an actor, he did lots of movies, including... Uh, he was in Limelight. He was in Limelight with Charles Chaplin. Dead Poets Society, The Age of Innocence, and again, in Saint Elsewhere, Jewish, 106 years old. This guy had done a lot. He died. This one really hurt a lot. Charles Grodin. Who? Charles Grodin. Who's that? Now, you're making fun of him, but we oh. liked this a lot with that dour personality, but he was so witty. American actor, comedian, author. Beethoven? Who? Oh, oh Ira. What's that? Was it, Who? Beethoven. You know what's interesting? I never saw the Beethoven movies, and the younger generation knows him as probably, he was like a at-wits-end father and doing the shtick. I would imagine that was his role. Yeah. What a shame. We've got a generation who know him only for the Beethoven movies. Why is that a Let's shame? talk about, ah, that's a good segue. Allow me to explain. In the uh, He was in the Virginian TV shows. He had a small part in Rosemary's Baby. And then... With, it was How small was it? Did he play the baby? Work with me here. This is emotional for me because I was a real fan of his, and you are too, so don't fuck up my moment. Of the, this is something I've been waiting for three weeks to talk to you about. Okay. The Heartbreak Kid, the original oh. one, directed by Elaine May, who we spoke about earlier, right? And you know who it starred? Jeannie Berlin was Elaine May's daughter in real life. So she was a Heartbreak Kid. He's married to his Jewish girl. Mm -hmm. There they are in bed. And she's eating a Milky Way candy bar. Did you see the original movie? Not the original. And she's got Milky Way candy bar on her chin, waiting to make love with him. And he's obsessed with the blonde Shiksa, the non-Jewish hottie right. who he really wants. And there, that look, I only saw that movie once in the theater, but that Milky Way candy bar on Jeannie Berlin's chin had a visceral effect on me. I'll bet it I did. Really, and he was just so great. And I want to say that he went on, of course, with Catch-22, Heaven Can Wait, Midnight Run, Midnight Run, and so on. He made the, the Beethoven movies. The shtick he did with Johnny Carson and, and David Letterman, the very droll, deadpan humor, Jewish. You're forgetting Midnight Run. Let's talk about it. I mentioned it briefly. What about it? Midnight Run is a great movie. Oh, yeah. Did you see it recently? Not in maybe five, ten years. I would love years. to see that movie again. It's good. Maybe we can get that one soon. We can get that out of the old out of the vault. vault. Maybe. Get that one out of the vault, you know? Hey, one more name. No. I don't know who's getting the Corners, Corners, Over Spotlight Award. You turned me on to Tawny Catan. Mm -hmm. Wow, is she hot. <laughs> I turned you on to somebody who was hot in 1984. <laughs> She was American actress, model, and so on, a lot of television. And, of course, she was in, uh, what did she do? She did a Pearls of Gwendolyn. You mentioned that one to me, I think. Yeah, yeah but she was also in, like, a the Bachelor Party. White Snake. And Witchboard. She did rock videos. Yeah. Another Jew. Go figure. Here we go. Get on my home. Oh, you know this, huh? Oh, Ira. Yeah. So I just want to mention those. She made me a man. Mm -hmm. Just the way we like yeah, it. Yeah. Does she have a penis? When I was, like, no. Oh. When I was, like, 12 years old. Maybe 10 years old, watching her doing cartwheels on the top of a Jaguar. Cartwheels in the sand. Uh, mm -hmm. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. On top, It was on the hood of a car. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. You masturbated, didn't you? I would never do such a thing. That's dirty. Dirty boys do that. We have a few birthdays we want to acknowledge. The last year. George Clooney turned 60. Harvey Keitel is 82. Alan Ball, 64. George Lucas, 77. Tim Roth is 60. And uh, Sir Ian McKellum turned 82. We all at Antiwave wish these people a very happy birthday. Stay out of the corner's corner. All right, Ira. To the, the birthday people should stay out of the corner's You're, corner. That's a nice sentiment. Yeah. To stay out of the cor- corner's corner. Yeah. I hope you stay out of the corner's corner. Me too. You want to do some top five? And hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. Top five this week is top five. Awkward conversations. Do we need to define? No. Actually, the word awkward I just is an interesting word. No, we don't need to define it. Let's define it. <laughs> no, what I kept thinking, well, is it an awkward conversation? Because what if there's resolution in the conversation? It could still be awkward, yet it could be productive, correct? Sure. Yeah, you're humoring me. No, I, I mean, yeah. it could definitely be productive. Good. You go first. I might even argue that that... It should it be. It should be productive. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's meaningless. Okay. I want you to go first because I'm really proud of mine. And I can't wait. To discuss some of these. Oh, this is going to be so good. Now we've got some good ones. Are we going to you go o- first? Are we going to overlap? Yes, I think on at least one. No, but I think I know which one you've, you're thinking we're going to overlap. My number one is going to be controversial. Oh, yes, because you're going to say, "Is it really a conversation?" Am I giving you a hint right now? Maybe I've got one okay, that, okay. that might be similar. I is it really a conversation? That's being had. Okay, okay, we'll get to that. My number five, I'm going to surprise you in my number five. Heat. Oh? Now let's, is that on your list? No, that's not on my list. Well, let's talk about this. By the way, the I, I, I would say, I, okay. is that awkward? And now I'm well, thinking, yeah, I, it kind of I, is. You know me, and you know I obsess on things. And I'm thinking, yes, and I will tell you, first of all, the year of heat, as you well know, is? 1995. I got that one right with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. And the talk they have at the two-thirds point, I guess, in the film, yep. at um, is the conversation is fascinating and their body language. And they talk about uh, their professional lives and they talk about their personal lives. And that's where we realize they're made of the same cloth, these two guys, even though they're coming from totally different. And, and they even agree, if I had the opportunity, I would kill you. They, that's acknowledged in yeah. that conversation. So... The fact they're talking personal, professional, and I will shoot you if I can, is awkward and beautiful. That's a really good one, Ira. Did you think of that I one? did not. What? I, mean, I don't think of it as an awkward conversation, and I was wondering, but I said, get what but you mean. It, it, yeah. yeah. Thank you, my friend. Nice. Thank you. My number five is from a movie from 1998 called There's Something About Mary. Now, there's many awkward conversations. The whole there. movie. Right. But there's one in particular. <laughs> at the beginning, when Ben Stiller's character zips his zipper over his nuts and now needs to explain That's really to good, his date's parents what he has done. And he's doing everything he can to try to cover it up. And like, oh, no, we'll just go to the dance and I'll deal with it later because this is a huge deal for him. Yeah, that that's a that's very good. awkward. That's conversation. really really good. 
I saw that in the theater when it came out, and I hadn't seen it since. But I remember seeing that scene and crossing my legs, and, you know, with yeah. the zip up, like if your balls get stuck, you yeah. know, in the zipper going. And I remember that it was just, oh my god, look at this fuck! It was um, visceral to yes. me. Yes, is visceral. That's really good. Okay. My number four. I'm going to name the movie, and I've got three examples of three awkward conversations in one movie, if I may. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. Let's talk about this. In the beginning of this movie, like the first 15 minutes in, there's a scene that takes place. It's like the Hilton Hotel in a lounge, but we're in space, of course. And it's awkward with diplomacy. We see people from the Soviet Union, and the exchange is not warm felt from the heart, and it's a little bit... It's, it's awkward and not warm. I remember that exchange. I remember having that feeling when I saw it in a the theater. Maybe to suggest that even space in the future will be cold and calculating. Mm-hmm. And, and now I want to move on to my second example. And that is when the astronaut in space is talking to his daughter on the video phone. Mm. By the way, that was Kubrick's daughter. That was Kubrick's right. daughter. And that too. And I remember having this feeling, Robert, when I saw it in the theater. There was not real warm. It's my birthday. Oh, that's very good. It was stoic. It was stoic. It was not comfortable. It was an awkward conversation. And my third example. The, the, the granddaddy of all awkward conversations in this movie. With Hal? Yeah. Now, this is great, Robert. Where in Hal? Are you talking about where Hal's being dismantled? That, yes. That could be. I think it's the conversation that they're having where they're going to kill him. Yes. And Hal's watching. Yeah, their lips move and right. so on. There's even exchanges prior to that with Hal where they're talking about nothing can interfere with the mission. Yeah. And it's a little bit unnerving. It's setting the scene for what you just articulated. So those three examples with Hal are really awkward conversations. I approve. Thank you. That's my number four. Nice. My number four yes. is a movie that I love dearly. 1985, Weird Science. Okay, now there's several awkward conversations in this movie as well. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm torn between two. Um, when they show up at the, at the bar with all the black people, and they've got this smoking hot woman, and everyone's like, "You are with them." <laughs> like that's a very awkward conversation. And you know, he's telling the story about how he was grabbing this middle school girl's boobies, and everyone's like you know, giving them a hard time about it and everything. Then later on when, uh, you know, the, when Kelly LeBrock tells the other teenage girls that she's been showering with uh, Gary and Wyatt and they're like, oh my gosh, she showers with them. Like, you know, she's obviously much more sexually advanced yeah, yeah, than they are. Yeah, 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 But the granddaddy of all the conversations in this movie, because there's several in this one, is when, you know, they take the genie, they take uh, Kelly LeBrock's character. You've seen it, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Okay. They take many, her, many times. Yeah, he takes her. Gary takes her home to meet his parents to explain that they're going to this party, and she just starts telling the truth about everything. And she's like, "Yeah, they made me on their computer." And he's like, <laughs> "What?" And he's like, "What?" This is gonna sound crazy. And and he's like, "My dad, my dad's a, a plumber." And he's like, "You like." To plumb, right, Dad? And, oh. and he's like, and the dad is trying to act all big and bossy, and he's like, "You're not going anywhere tonight." And then she pulls a gun out and like holds the gun to the parents' face, and like, he, you know, Gary's like, "I'm gonna fucking be grounded forever." 
That's, that whole scene is so good. That's of course, great. she wipes their memory later on, so they have no memory of it. Yeah, of yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a great scene. Yeah, if you go yeah. back and you watch just line by line, it's written well. It's acted impeccably. It's cast perfectly. It's great. That whole that two minutes of the movie yeah. is some of the best stuff ever put on celluloid. I'm telling you. Anyway, that's really nice. Weird science. That's my number four. This is fun. I like this top five. Me too. This is good. Uh, my number for three. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nineteens. I'll tell you the year. You tell me the movie. Okay. Nineteen something. Nineteen sixty-seven. Okay. And my oh, The Graduate. Yes. Now plastics. Well. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety throughout the whole yeah. film. But you're right. That could be at the party at the beginning where he says plastics. Uh, but I was thinking about the that's scene. That's more detached. I don't know if that's yeah. Awkward. That's not or or get when Benjamin Dustin Hoffman is in bed with Mrs. Robinson yeah. and Benjamin is trying to make small talk yeah. and to make it more meaningful. Yeah. And she's not having it. Yeah. She's not playing along that game. And he's, he's really trying to take the high road here yeah. and ask questions about when did you lose interest in art? And when we, you were conceived in the backseat of a Buick, he's trying to connect on some level to give some degree of meaning other than just fucking. And she's not playing along with it. That's really, really awkward yeah. scene. That's a good one. Thank you. I like it. All right. <sighs> Number three. That's going to be good. I can 1990. see. 1990. I don't have any 1990s. Oh? So we did not overlap. Huh. Yeah. You're surprised? That's, so I, I have something from 1990. You don't, right? Yeah. Huh. Why? Yeah. Is that good? Do you like that? Well, I'm just acknowledging Is that. Is that interesting to you? It's giving me a hard time. Does that it's amuse not... you? Well, I think I don't. But do I amuse you? I know what you're doing. Am I a fucking clown? I Am I here doing. to amuse you? I know what you're doing. Good fellas. Good fellas. See, I got that. <laughs> I got that. Tell me that that's scene, not an awkward Robert. Okay, I am bowing to you. That's really... I saw that scene not too long ago, and I still get anxious. I, my oh, palms, my, my palms. Goodness. First of all, describe the scene. You, if you haven't seen Goodfellas... Yeah, I know, but... I mean, if you've seen Goodfellas, you remember this scene. If you haven't seen Goodfellas, you're doing yourself a disservice. But there is a scene where Joe Pesci is <sighs> off his fucking leash, and... You don't know whether he's about to murder somebody or whether he's fucking with somebody or both. Is he kidding around or not? You just don't know. It's fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. And uh, no, my palms still get sw- that scene. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, there you Do go. Do I amuse you? What, a fucking clown? Yeah. That's really good. It's great. Anyway, that's my number. Three. I've got two conversations that I think are more awkward than that. You do? Yes. I can't think of what they are. Okay. By the way, what was the year of Goodfellas? 1990. That's right. You did. Uh, my number two is King of Comedy. But I want okay. to tell you, first of all, the year of King of Comedy. Let's play the year game. It was 82. Very good. Bingo. All right. And first I thought the obvious scene where he, uh, uh, Jerry Lewis, uh, Jerry Langdon, is... is bound and gagged and tied up and all that stuff because he's kidnapped and that wonderful scene with Sandra yeah I like her a lot but then I thought about this is a small scene but I'm taking this smaller scene over what I just described and that's when Robert De Niro's character Rupert Pupkin Pupkin thinks he has an appointment to meet with Jerry Langdon and goes into the office because Jerry Langdon 
suddenly, yeah, we'll talk. And he goes in the studio and the secretary won't let him in. And he's beside himself. Well, he told me I can come down anytime, Mike. And the secretary is cool, detached, puts him on hold, comes back in and tells him, no, go away. And then Robert De Niro doesn't leave the office, Robert. He goes to the other end of the office and it's around upholstered couch. Look, I remember this. And he just sits there and he doesn't leave. He just sits there. Can he absorb the rejection that Jerry Langford won't meet with him? It's so awkward with secretary. And, yeah. and I just... Now, is this what you're saying? This is not quite a conversation? Well, no, no. That's my number one. Okay. I'm saving that for my number one. This is my number two, and it is a conversation with the secretary uh. and, uh, and, and what's his name? Robert De Niro. God, Robert De Niro. Was br- we saw that movie not too long ago. Yeah. Anyway, that was a real awkward exchange for me. That's my number two. Okay. Okay. My number two might be your number one. Uh-huh. Is your number one from 1996? Yes. Okay, we have the same one. Okay. I'm glad. Go ahead. You, because I wrestled with this. Because I wrestled thing. really a conversation. It's one way, but, but it's but, not. I went back and watched <laughs> the scene, and she talks at the end. She does talk to him. Was she like, "Don't ever call me again"? That's exactly what she says. <laughs> so anybody that hasn't figured this out <laughs> yeah, by they now, they better know by now. Say it, swingers. One of the most awkward things ever put on film is Swinger's telephone call where Mikey is calling the girl he just met and leaves these rambling voice messages on her machine. Spiraling. He spirals. He calls back. He spirals. He can't stop. It's so good. I was When I was re-watching it, because I was thinking about it again, I was like, oh, that would be a good one to put on there. And then I went, I got to see that movie, or see that scene again. I just pulled the scene up. And it is so well acted yeah. and so well written and just such a, it's so perfect because it makes you feel like just fucking stop, stop, yes. stop, yes. stop. What are you doing? And it just, it won't stop. It just keeps coming. And you're I like, I saw it in a theater. I was cringing, cringing. And we can relate to it. We can put ourselves in that character's body and what he's going through. That's real. I can't wait to hear your number one, by the way. Okay, that's my number two. That's so your number two. You, that's your number one. So, you talk about okay, it. Okay, so me. my number one, obviously, Swingers 1996. You know who directed that movie? I didn't realize this. Take a wild stab. It was, uh, he did Go. He did all those movies. Um, What's D- his name? Doug Lyman. Yeah, Lyman. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Who, who's known for like Born, old, yeah. you know, those movies. But he directed Swingers and... Um, and I justified it by saying, well, he's having a conversation with a phone answering machine, but you actually salvaged that argument that she does get on at the very, very end. Says, will you stop calling me? And she's clearly listening to him. Yes, yes. That was John Favreau, wasn't that? Was, that was John Favreau. How about mm-hmm. that? And I still remember, I, I had, again, I'm using the word visceral quite a bit, but I had, a, I think everyone in the auditorium has a visceral reaction to that scene, that that is my number one awkward conversation i can't wait to hear what you're going to come up with that tops that i've told this story on the podcast before but it's been a while um when i saw my number one in the theater it was 1998 and it was in chicago and it was the american premiere of this movie and the movie is happiness have you ever seen happiness no i think you talked so here's the thing 
It's Laura Flynn Boyle. Um, and she was there at the premiere. There are a few other people from the movie that were there. Um, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is in the movie. There, uh, there's a bunch of people that are in the movie. And it's the, the story of these three sisters who have problems in their relationships. One of the sisters is married to a pedophile. And Laura Boy got up before the movie began and she said, I want everybody to understand, we made a comedy. It's a very dark comedy and I want you to understand that this is supposed to be funny. And that's how she left it. She was like, this is supposed to be hilarious. So she got off the stage and you know, we watched the movie. And so the one sister is married to a pedophile and he has been molesting his son's friends when they come over. And so they spend the night and he rapes them in the middle of the night or molests them, uh, you know, however it is. He either touches them or has sex with them or whatever. So eventually, by the end of the movie, he gets found out and people know that he's a pedophile. And the police are investigating, but they haven't arrested him yet. But they everybody kind of knows that he's done it. And or maybe he's out on bail or something like that. And they've written like, you know, um pedophile all over the house like outside like somebody's graffiti that on their house so everybody knows that he's a, a child rapist or whatever it is and there's one scene where his son says you know you did all these things to my my friends and he's asking his dad about this and the dad says yeah i did and he says well would you ever do those things to me and the dad says no i would jerk off instead and when I saw that scene, it was so uncomfortable. I was crying laughing in this packed auditorium and not another soul made a sound. It was only oh. me, which only made it funnier and only made it more awkward and more uncomfortable for me. And I could not stop laughing. And it is to this day the most cringeworthy moment of like well wait what's cringeworthy is it because of the content in the film or your reaction both. that may- both it has just amplified yeah. in my mind yeah. but that is not an easy conversation either to say to your son yeah yeah i wouldn't have sex with you i'd jerk off to you yeah 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 what whoa. the fuck whoa so that's uh. my number one most awkward conversation i love it cool i got a bunch of scoops let's hear all right First of all, um, what I was what I thought we were going to overlap on was when Harry met Sally. The diner scene, the orgasm. Oh, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, that's an awkward conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I want to say, Woody Allen and Annie Hall over listening the conversation when they're standing in line. That awkwardness. And yes, that's a really yes. fun awkward conversation yes. right there. Too. Yes. Uh, there's a great conversation with, uh, speaking of um, of Anna Ferris from House Bunny, she has another movie called Smiley Face where she eats her roommate's weed accidentally. She thinks they're regular cupcakes, but they're weed cupcakes. And she's walking around town. And there's one scene, it's the best scene in the whole movie. And she's telling somebody off and she's like going into this big, long tirade of like, you know, because this stands for injustice and just like, like kind of righting all the wrongs in the world. And she's like going off in this big long monologue, and she's very angry, and it's like you're going off, da 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 da, and then it cuts to what she has actually said, which is, and just makes no sense whatsoever. Animal House, 
when they go to the dance, can we dance with the old dates? Oh God, you're right. That's a good one, right? Very awkward. Yeah. Um, yeah. she's it, all that. Did you see she's all that? I'm so. Was I a bet? Was I a stupid bet? I didn't see she's all that. Oh, that's where the guy makes this. He makes a bet that he'll, um, turn the nerdy girl into a popular, beautiful girl and take her to the prom. And of course, by the end of the movie, he falls in love with her. And then she finds out. Was I a bet? Was oh. I a stupid bet? And it's kind of uh, yeah, you were. You you were a bet. Got it. I'm still back on your Animal House. Oh one. yeah, that's really good. Mm-hmm. With uh, what was that singer's name? Otis. Otis so- Redding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Um, license to drive. When he finally has to bring the car home and tell his dad, I drove the car all night and it's all fucked up. Yeah. And the dad is like gonna kill him, but the mom is going into labor right at that moment. And also, last one. Taxi driver. I, that's the whole first date. The first date where he's taking her out and like taking her to porno movies and stuff. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? That's interesting. And that's a segue. You're done with yours, right? Yeah. Into my list because I also have taxi driver, mm-hmm. but not that scene. Mine is when Travis is, is talking to the Secret Service agent of that senator and talking about things like that are really disturbing mm-hmm. like you, you i forgot like using your gun or killing people yeah. it was a, that was really awkward so that's funny i also have taxi driver <laughs> everything in taxi driver yeah i think really the whole awkward. thing is awkward um i also have um joker when he's on robert de niro doing johnny carson so now yeah. he's playing the other role and that's when um joaquin phillips uh, uh, joaquin phoenix, phoenix phillips is talking about really disturbing things yeah. on that talk show so that's, that's awkward good. too. Yeah. And um, is that all? Yeah, that's all. I also thought about what well, we could include. Tell me who I am. Tell well, that's I where am. we got this from. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, the movie we were talking about. Tell me. And I suppose that obviously that's where that springboard our very topic as an awkward talk. Yeah. This is a good list. Yeah, I like this. This one. is fun. This is fun. Yeah. Hey, man, if. Um, ah. If uh, people have some awkward conversations, what should they do? They can reach out to us. How? Through our email. Where? Our email is robert at antiwaypodcast.com. Oh. Or. And slash or ira at antiwaypodcast.com. Or they can reach out to us through Twitter or Instagram. My handle there is at antiwaypod. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? Just like the boys being spread around the London gay scene. Yes, we are all over the place. That was really good. Okay, good. I've seen the movie. That makes a little more <laughs> yeah, sense. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, iTunes, check us out on Stitcher. Uh, go to Spotify. Go to my podcast. What's that called? Google Podcast Music. Go to our website. Throw a few bucks Write over our Patreon. Review. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Throw Good. a few bucks over Patreon. Help keep the sprocket holes moving. Write a review for the, <sighs> for us on uh, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Ira. What are we doing? What? Next week. What are we doing next week? We're going to see a movie. We are? Yeah. Another one? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Your favorite, Anna Kendrick. Oh, I like her. Mm-hmm. She's in a new one. She's in the science fiction movie. Stowaway. She's, she's an astronaut. Now, I think I told you, there was one of my favorite movies from the 90s. It was a foreign film called Stowaways, and it's not that movie. We're it's not that anymore. movie. No, no. No. She's an astronaut. She's, yeah. But she she's, puts the ass in astronaut. astronaut. But she's usually in a space suit throughout oh. the whole film, so you can't check her out. Mm. <sighs> so we'll check that out. What do you her, want to do? Her ass. Oh, her ass. Yeah, yeah. Let's give producer Joey a round of applause. Yeah. 
doing a great job there. Yeah, I think that's about it, isn't it? I, th- I think we do. What do you want to do now? Nothing. What? Can I hang out with you? Yeah. I can? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Do you want to like go out for dinner, go to a movie? Yeah, sure. Okay. You're, you're yeah, agreeing to this? Right. Yeah. Robert, I thought you were just anxious for me to leave. This is awkward. <laughs> awkward conversation. So until next time, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. The problem is we're not drunk.